This episode of the Check Out This Record podcast is brought to you by GuitarExclusive.com. Visit now for buying guides, reviews, and more. GuitarExclusive.com. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Rock, 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 Roll podcast. Check out this record. My name is Frank, and with me is my good buddy, Mark. Hey, Frank, and hello, listeners. <laughs> Woo! You can find Thanks. us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music Podcasts, and you can see these beautiful, beautiful, beautiful mugs on YouTube. I don't know where he is, so I'm pointing to him. I'm you're good. only going to get this brilliant comic gold if you're watching on YouTube. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, but when does this charmingly uh, fun little podcast get released mm-hmm. so you can hear it sizzle as it comes off the presses? That's a great question. Thanks for putting up with me asking it. Lucky for us, new episodes drop each and every Friday. Uh, maybe you can ask Frank about some of the special things we've got cooking for you. Oh yeah. We like to cook for sure. And if you're hearing us yeah. for the first time, you're probably not annoyed with one of our past reviews. So welcome everybody. Yeah, uh, Give us time. Yeah. Give us time. We review records track by track, lots of musical discussions, spotlight episodes, even some mysteries. Uh, we've only scratched the surface and we're just getting warmed, Mark. That's right. Be sure to check us out on Instagram and even our Facebook group. Yes. Hopefully these episodes will leave you wanting more of our musical goodness and some of my personal random nonsense that I like to come up with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you've got a record you want us to check out, drop us a comment wherever you found us. While you're at it, like, subscribe, and give us a, a review yeah. you know, that tells us how great we are or just don't do it. Yeah. Um. So I say this, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> we're not, listen. We're not going to talk about the Rolling Stones. No. Or we're not going to talk about Guns N' Roses. But if we take one word from each of those bands, Mark, uh-huh. you get the Stone Roses. Oh man, I thought we were going to talk about the Rolling Pistols. <laughs> not quite. Okay. But but now, listen. That's uh-huh. not how the inception of the band came to be because the existence because they existed two years prior to the formation of Guns N' Roses. But to my point is that the Stone Roses, although massive in the UK, Mark, are probably somewhat unknown in the US. Uh, Mark, I, I know you've heard the name before, but never really paid them attention. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I, I couldn't really say. I just feel like maybe it they hit the years between me being like conscious about music for myself um, and, and when they would have been part of the mainstream zeitgeist. I think it's just, I, I happened to just miss the window. You know, we're talking about the late 80s, early 90s when they're really starting to get cooking. And I was just a kid. So I, I think I just missed them there, dude. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and that, and that makes sense. So Mark, you're going to hop along with me. We're going to take a trip. Okay. Oh, I would love to take a nice trip. We're going to Manchester, England. Oh, Manchester, where the men are men and the Chesters are Chesters. The Chesters are always Chesters, my friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is the year 1980. Um, so let's talk about that. Because singer Ian Brown and guitarist mm-hmm. John Squire, they knew each other from grammar school, and they formed a short-lived Clash-inspired band called Patrol. the Patrol. Excellent. Yeah. Now they played some gigs and Ian Brown was actually playing <laughs> mm-hmm. bass at the time would sing a song uh, to close out the set. 
Uh, so he sold his bass. He bought a scooter. And here, Mark, we have our lead singer. Oh. Um, after some other band incarnations, John Squire came up with the name The Stone Roses. Now, there's spe- speculation, of course, that there's a link to the Rolling Stones. But Brown would say that Squire was just trying to find two contrasting words. Uh, Mark, while we're at it, do you like the name The Stone Roses? And did they sound like anything you expected them to sound like? So I like the name. It sounds like something that takes like a lot of work to make, like a, a stone rose. I imagine that's just like the most crafty craftsmanship you can come up with. Sounds hard. Yeah. Yeah. However, I wasn't expecting so much like kind of 80s pop. Right. Um, I thought they were going to sound a little like the New York Dolls or the Black Crows or some f- other fake late 90 or late 80s rock sound. Um, I wasn't expecting them to be a real band. I really thought it was going to be one of those like record label generated <laughs> garbage late 80s. We're, we're just throwing as much as we can into a pot to see what sticks. Right. And and this isn't that at all. I mean, maybe after this album, uh, but I'm sure we'll get into that later. Yes. Um, you know, this I, I, I just it, this was just like fun, over the top, bubblegum ridden pop music. And I just sank in and i enjoyed it this is way cooler than i was expecting it to be yeah totally totally i hope that answered your question it sure it sure (laughs) did my friend so so let's talk so they played their first gig in 84 supporting Ah. uh pete townsend at a anti heroin concert in london (laughs) Mm, see i'm pro heroin there you go so (laughs) missed the boat there uh the show was seen by journalists and the band received of course management offers uh Fast forward to 86, Brown and Squire started collaborating more on songwriting. And in December of 86, they recorded their first demo, uh, taking on an influence from the bands uh, such as Jesus and Mary Chain and Primal Screen, uh, Scream. Uh, their single, Sally Cinnamon, uh, was selling out. So we have this revolving door of bandmates, but now we're in the year 1988, uh, mm-hmm. and the debut record hasn't even been released yet. Um but they're obviously gaining popularity. Uh, that year in May, the band played a high-profile concert where a young Liam Gallagher was there, and that inspired him to start a band. Of course, Brother Noel uh, stated he was inspired uh, by attending one of the Stone Roses gigs as well. So <laughs> here, here we are, Mark, in 1988, and the band oh. released their self-titled record. Now, before uh-huh. we get to the album, Mark, we must discuss a show that the band played in May of 1990 at Spike Island. Oh, okay. Yeah. This mm-hmm. event was considered a failure at the time due to sound problems. However, the band became legendary over the years due to mm. the Stone Roses performance and the fact that the youth attending that event uh, were on an insane amount of substances and, and oh. drugs. And there was a sense of liberation in the air due to the fact that this was the ending of Thatcher's reign in England. Um, Just out, out of curiosity, what do you think the substances that aren't drugs are? Hmm. You think it's just like like don't eat the brown licorice kind of stuff? Yeah, I, I it's some sort of hallucinogenic. Absolutely, right? Sure. Okay. Yeah, I definitely, <laughs> and especially if you watch the video. So I encourage anyone to check out the band's performance on YouTube. Uh, oh. It's quite amazing seeing the crowd there. Um, so here we go, Mark. This is their debut album with mm-hmm. Ian Brown on vocals, John cool. Squire on guitars, Manny on bass guitar, and Rini R E N I on drums. Uh, Mark, are you ready to get this party started? Hell yeah! If that's the kind of show they they play, what kind of records do you have for me today? <laughs> hey, oh, I tried to make a rhyme. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> you sure did, Bell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was bad. That's good though. It's okay. <laughs> 
track one, I want to be adored. Um, what an intro track. I mean, you get this atmospheric buildup to the bass riff. Uh, the guitar comes in uh, and it just strums that riff and bam, uh, as if you, you know that this is going to be something special. Uh, this track only has a few set of lyrics, but they're powerful. Uh, for example, I don't need to sell my, I don't have to, excuse me, sell my soul. These are already in me. Uh, this Ooh. is like the late Beatles era mixed with the Rolling Stones attitude with Ian Brown pulling his own set of Jagger moves in the video. Um, Mark, do you want to be adored? Yeah, man, I, I really do. Um, but, you know, at first I couldn't stand uh, that extended intro because <laughs> uh, it takes a while before before anything really happens. Um, I believe it's a, a subway train that's coming as kind of like that baseline picks up uh, and the band takes off. But once we're going, man, I was stoked. It's just that that long intro out of nowhere kind of threw me off. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, nice. Um, Love it. However, um this is one of those amazing albums to put on with a great pair of headphones and just sink into this kind of blissfully poppy rock tune. Uh, Frank's Beatles and Stones comparisons are, are right on. They really do just kind of, you can feel that they've really soaked in that era of uh, the early 60s uh, Beatles and Stones. It's really just so cool. Uh, I wish I had this cassette in 1989 yeah. so that seven-year-old me could just like ride around the subway uh, of some cool-ass town and just just look at it pass as the, the subway goes by. It's just, it's a cool ass track, man. Yeah, totally. Totally. Mm. Part uh, song two is she bangs the drums. Uh, Mark, oh. I feel like this is a song for you since you're our resident drummer, right? Uh, I mean, listen, it's a blissful mix of rock and pop. I mean, that chorus is hooky as hell and maintains a rock foundation of its time. The drums I'm assuming is in reference to a heartbeat. Uh, regardless, this song just gets stuck in your head, and it's one I actually don't mind having stuck in my head. Uh, Mark, what about you? Oh, man, those, like, 30-second notes on the hi-hat and the bass intro are just, like, perfect. This this song has so much energy. It, it's just kind of awesome. This feels like one of those amazing songs in a montage of a John Holmes – or John, not a John Holmes movie, a John Hughes movie. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, I can see uh, that. Maybe a, a great alternative opening to like Pretty in Pink or something. Yeah, would be really cool. Um, I like the over simple, overly simple lyrics. Uh, they add to the song's kind of bubblegumness. Yes. Um, but without making it feel cheap. I, I really like this. It's a fun tune. It really is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, track three, Waterfall. Uh, took me a while, like years, actually, to appreciate this song. Uh, I'm not saying that this is a concept record by any means, but the last track, we get this central figure of she, and then we get the she again um, You know, in this song. Listen, mixed with these layered harmonic sounds, we get a person who appears to be regaining their independence. Uh, I could see this track being there. Hey, let's jam for a whole while while they're playing live uh, i'm still not sure it's my favorite but it's definitely um entertaining and i think it's one of the more fascinating tunes uh, mark are you a waterfall oh wow so first thank <laughs> you for asking that's none of your business damn just kidding i totally am um <laughs> i dig this fun and funky little I, I call it like a world music groove that they have going yes, on here there's that's a, a lot of inspiration yep from a lot of different cares uh, it goes on a bit longer than I care for. Um, and I definitely picked up that whole, like, this is where they're going to jam for a while. Yeah. Um, but I, I dig it other than the fact that it's just too damn long. Yeah. And, and, and the worldly uh, theme that you, you, you kind of put to yeah. makes perfect sense because it's like, you can't really 
tell where it's from or even kind of maybe when it's yeah. from. Well, in uh, that late 80s, right? They loved all that world music stuff. Everything from like all, all the spinoff stuff The Clash was doing to yes. um, uh, Simon, Paul Simon oh, doing his big absolutely. world music thing then. Yeah. Like, it was just a big time for that sound. And I yep. feel like they managed to capture what what that brick pop sound of the time was and work yes. that into it really well. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. Really yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, track four, Don't Stop. So this is actually the inverse of Waterfall with new lyrics. Oh. Uh, if you were to play yeah, Waterfall backwards, uh, the reverse lyrics sound like the lyrics of this song. And it's an interesting concept, um, but I I don't know. I think could have been could have been a waste of a track here. Uh, Mark, did you want this to stop? Wanted to stop, Frank. I didn't know it was going. <laughs> I, I honestly went, oh, wait, let me start Don't Stop Over. And I was already on uh, the next track, Bye Bye Batman, because I thought it was a long, <laughs> weird track. I told you, I thought that last track went on too long. Yeah. That's because I've been listening to it as two tracks for the longest <laughs> time. But, but because they, they really do sync up and it turns into this other thing. Um, It's a weird track. I, I went is. online. I found it played backwards and forwards and with waterfalls edited on to the beginning and edited on to the end and right look it's a cool enough idea uh but i think this is like this is hidden track territory right. was this needed it, right it's I, I don't think it was needed i don't think it was needed here in the middle of the album right yeah. i mean the fifth track or fourth track in like what what, what are we doing right this, to me you, you throw this on the end of the cassette thank let you it be some weird surprise right give me an actual song here yeah, yeah, this could have been like the reprise before the closure or something of that right. nature. Right, I agree. Yeah, even agree. that would be cool or or use it as a weird opener. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, but I, I agree. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that one. Um, track five is Bye Bye Bad Man, mm-hmm. uh, centering around the riots in Paris in 68. Uh, the lemon, of course, the, the lemon slice on the cover of the album uh, is actually inspired by said riots, which focused mm-hmm. on the philosophy of situationalism. Um, it's got this poppy vibe again, but it's also like this English folk vibe, uh, which works with the nature of the sound. Uh, it actually caught me off guard considering most tracks thus far have been the rock of its time, kind mm-hmm. of. Um, Mark, what, what say you on this? Well, first of all, I want to let our listeners know that we're going to start a Patreon in which uh, yes. Frank will, for $10 a month, Frank will, ex- Frank will explain what the philosophy of situationalism, situationalism is. So that you know what we're talking about. Because, right. look, I've already paid my $10. I still don't know. <laughs> um, anyways. And after I, really I read like, books. Right. <laughs> I really like slowing the pace down in the beginning of the song and turning the mood of this album really on a dime. Right. We get that kind of long ending um, for Don't Stop. But then as Bye Bye Badman comes in, it starts nice and slow. And really, you feel the band shift their energy and their focus and build again. Um, you know, by bringing it back up with a fun little rock number that that is really cool it just yeah. takes a little while to get there this intro is really fun and interesting really great song from the band um here I, I love this side of the band i think that when they're really trying to be this dramatic and this um kitschy with their songwriting yeah it really works out beautifully for them Totally, totally. Track six is Elizabeth, my dear. It's another folk type number. Um, I actually personally would have liked if this lasted longer. So anyone listening out there, if there's an extended version, let us know. Mm -hmm. Um, But Mark, uh, did you want this to last past the minute mark or are you cool with how short this is? No, I loved it 
this length. It adds a ton of atmosphere to the record. It helps add a little bit of mystery to the album too. Cause wait a minute, what is this? Why did it come? And why did it go so quickly? I really mm-hmm. liked dashing it in there. Cause it shows some of their, their prowess without right. exerting themselves and, and being show offy. There you go. That makes sense. Pew, pew, um, pew. <laughs> there you go now track seven is song from my sugar spun sister um oh. it's another rich and ringing song where you could almost hear the melody without the lyrics uh brown is chatting about things that are considered impossible such as the sky turning green mm-hmm. and for the girl he likes to show appreciation for his admiration to her uh, i felt like we got some stones here on the chorus which was cool because i think it added some edge uh mark are you my sugar spun sister you know it, brother. Absolutely. Yes. This is another one of those songs that just sounds like 1989. It's got that bubblegum kind of sweetness to it of the of the 80s, but the darkness of the alt and indie scene that was just boiling underneath yeah. is really cool. I think it's fair to say that this had a huge impact on the grunge scene that we would see coming. I, I think had to have. It, it's not too far of a misstep. Certainly these guys were big right as that scene was taking off. There was, I'm sure a lot of shared inspiration yes. uh, song for my sugar spun sister is pretty fucking cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, then we get, speaking of cool, we get to uh, a song like track eight made of stone uh, spoiler. Ooh. This is my favorite song on the record. Um, this is just an amazingly written song. It's mysterious with the supposed reflection of the events of Jackson Pollock's car crash. Uh, we get Brown's lyrics that uh, your white knuckles whiten on the wheel. Uh, this is also the second single off the album. And I felt uh, it were in fact, it, it, to me, it's funny how this wasn't in more people's ears during the time, maybe more so in the States. That's just, it's just another mystery of the, of the band to me. So they're complete enigma, uh, but Mark uh, made of stone or made of fluff. Ooh, I, I completely agree with everything you said, Frank. This song is super cool, fun as hell. It's uh, uh, the guitar solo rips and the band totally rocks out and manages to expand their sound well above what you've previously expected out of this record. Uh, really stunning track. Frank, this yes. bad boy is all, all stone. Nice. Yes. Yeah. I love yeah. this track too, by the way. It's a great song. Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, track nine, Shoot You Down. Uh, another really impressive track, a tale of a man that's grown tired of the relationship that they're in. Perhaps a reflection he didn't just refuse in the beginning. Uh, so it's definitely, again, a reflection piece for sure that's got a lot of groove and great guitar tone by Squire. That course, again, just really comes in and gives it a versatile feel for the record. Um, so, Mark, who, who's shooting you down, by the way? And nobody shoot me down, Frankster. Woo! Yeah. Uh, can we take a moment to acknowledge that Squire is just like the best name? Oh my god! To name a kid who will become a guitar player, absolutely kind of perfect, right? Perfect. Um, I love the way the drums feel like they're rising out of the floor in front of you, just grooving, and the band comes in behind them. This there's so much great production here in terms of bringing in the band and when things start to flourish. Really great sounding record. Anyways, yeah. yeah. It's just so cool. I love the way the band throws a super fun little R&B vibe in here yes. just to put a little smile on your face as you kind of bop along to the song. It's just so fucking cool, man. Yeah, I love I love this track, too. I, it's This is probably it's interesting, but Made of Stone and Shoot You Down are probably my two favorite tracks. Yeah. The back half of this album is just stacked. Oof. 
Yeah, it's so yeah. cool. So cool. Uh, track 10, this is the one. So Ian Brown's a huge Manchester United fan, and this song is actually played at the beginning of every home game. Uh, it's insane because those fans are totally into their Manchester United and Manchester teams uh, over there, and that's a big deal. And the fact that this plays at the home games, uh, again, just shows how appreciated the band is in, in, in the UK. Uh, Mark, was this the one for you? It sure is, Frank. This track is, isn't is classically cool, but when you sit down with it and let it dig into your brain via your ear, it just becomes part of you. Wait yeah. a minute. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bummer that the band like this never got more attention here, man. Right. I wish this was around when I was a kid to just, again, soak more of it up. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's interesting, though, right? Like, this is the one... It's a, a a rally before the game. It's an odd song for a, a rally cry, but that's what I think. Yeah, but it's just so cool. And maybe with them being like a hometown band and the, and the hometown team, and you know, this is the one we're gonna win this one. Yeah, you know, I guess it works. Uh, you know, you're the sports head out of the two of us, so you would know better <laughs> than I would. But I I really dig this song, man. Yeah. No, it's a cool one for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get our, our final track. Uh, I am the resurrection track 11. Oh, what a way to end this album with this over eight minute song. I mean, the song is quite a force. Uh, the baseline is stellar and it really anchors everything together. Uh, there's some anger in this. So we get some relatable lyrics, whether it be uh, to a particular individual, an institution, religion, whatever it may be. I'm sure this is something we've all felt at one time. Um, but hey, you know, at the same time, you could wrap this around a really cool rock tune. Uh, so, Mark, <laughs> am I your resurrection? <laughs> are you asking me to blaspheme in your name? Yes, mine. Yes. Absolutely, you are. <laughs> uh, that said, <laughs> uh, I love this song. It's such a stellar choice as the closer. Bookending the album with this uh, 60s jangly number that really has yes. that Rolling Stones vibe that you mentioned earlier, Frank. And, and having... Uh, I want to adore as the opener is just such a killer move. Right? These two right? songs really just balance so well. Yeah. Even like the disco break before the outro jam is kind of cool. That said, it all does go on a little bit longer than I'd like, but of course. you know, that's how I get with jam stuff. So mm. um, yeah, jammy jam, jammy jam jams. <laughs> well, Mark, you know, that that completes the album. So, you know, what was your final thoughts is really going into this with, you know, the first time hearing about yeah. them and all that stuff? You know, but this was a fun record just to like squeeze into your brain for a whole last week and just walk around with. Yeah, um, it's got all this groove that I'd say runs the full length of the album in various forms, but really ties the album together in a cool way. I just mentioned how I love the pairing of I want to be adored and I'm the, I am the resurrection is bookends for the album. And I love the way they work to encapsulate the band's sound at that time. Uh, It doesn't feel like a concept album to me, but it definitely has its own energy and vibe that allows it to stand together uh, as a very cool album and each song really stands up on its own with maybe the exception of uh, don't stop. Right. Uh, uh, which doesn't add much of anything to the album uh, short of a few minutes of thinking waterfalls goes on way longer than I thought <laughs> right. before you realize that it wasn't the song you were listening to. Anyways. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, I think that's just part of the stone roses sound and whether I like it or not, that's what it is. I really struggled on rating this record because there are so many things I really like about it. 
but some of the jamming goes on much too long. I already told you how I feel about Don't Stop. Right. So this guy is getting a 6.5 from me. Right. But with that said, I'm still picking this up if I find it in a record store. Right. Don't let my score suggest that I didn't like this album or didn't think that this was a cool band. That's true. It is. It just doesn't check all of my boxes. Right. right? And I think right. that's part of that balance, right? I still think this is a stellar record. I still think it's worth your time to listen to. Yes. It's a 6.5 for me. So yeah. um, it certainly does a lot of things right and has an incredible mood and feel to it. Definitely check out this record situation. Franco. <laughs> so listen, this band, they're just an enigma to me. Uh, totally. I mean, they released this amazing debut and then they had in-ring fighting um, between Brown and Squire that caused really their momentum to take a nice lumpy poop at the end of the day. Um, after this album, you know, they got into trouble with their various labels due to their crappy management. They actually signed to Geffen. Uh, and they waited to see. Um, and there were some issues with producers dragging on the sessions, the band not wanting to tour the U.S., which is maybe why we didn't hear about them. Uh, the rotation of the bass players and drummers. Uh, listen, whatever the case is, this album rocks. Uh, check out the Spiked Island performance on YouTube. It really captures the generation over there. Uh, the songs are masterful. And although I could do without Don't Stop and This Is The One, I Want To Be Adored, She Bangs Drums, Waterfall, Made Of Stone. They're just killer. I give it a seven out of five. Uh, and again, like there's there's definitely- a seven out of five. I'm sorry, a 7.5. <laughs> wow, man. Okay, we're, we're cooking here. 7.5 out of 10. There you go. <laughs> oh, well, thank you for correcting that, Mark. No, you're good. So listen, so last week we played that game, which I thought was fun uh, with uh -huh. our Shannon, the clams episode where you mentioned song titles and uh -huh. um, you, you said, okay, are they uh, Shannon, the clam songs or Dion? So uh -huh. I kind of took a little bit of page there and uh -huh. I, I found some, uh, oh. I was initially going to do uh, roses or stones, but again, just because the, the Rolling Stones are so well known, the minute I say stuff, you're going to be like, oh, that, that's, that was definitely Keith and Mick and all that stuff. Oh, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. So I got some. Uh, true or false factoids oh. here for the stone roses. Uh, so I'm going to list them off and you're going to say if you think that's true or if you think that's false. Okay. Stone roses, true or false. You got it, my friend. Hit me. All right. I'm ready. So here you go. The first one is Ian Brown and John Squire. Uh, they became friends at grammar at a grammar school for boys. Um, but Brown helped Squire out after a physical altercation oh. and the two immediately bonded over the clash and the sex pistols. Mark, do you think that that's true or is that false? 1980, they met, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to say I'm going to say true. 80, they formed, right? Oh, OK. So they met a little earlier in grammar right, school. Right. Uh, do we do we know when this happened? If you're saying that they formed in 80, but right. I'm going to say true. When, I'm going to okay. say true. Okay. So this supposedly happened when they were children. So I'm right. Yes, you are right. Yeah. It is true. Woo. Yay. Woo. All right. So um, the next true or false is that all four members were arrested and charged after painting the office walls of their former label uh, in the fact that the former label reissued their 1987 single Sally Cinnamon without permission. Do you think that this is true that all four members got arrested? I'm going to say false. That actually is true. Oh, oh, French, French, French. <laughs> Dang, all four of them. I thought it would be one of those things where like 
just the two guys that have started the band or like, yes, yes. You know, just some drummer they were going to fire anyways. I don't know. All right. <laughs> All right. So the band, um, <laughs> the band uh, opened for uh-huh. um, New Order and Pixies in the U.S. The band? Right. Opened the band. for the New Order. Right. <laughs> so the group that opened for uh, Bob Dylan. Right. Bob Dylan's backing band. <laughs> yeah, they opened, opened for New Order and who? And Pixies. <laughs> wow. I didn't realize they were slumming it back then. <laughs> uh, that's cool. Though. Oh, oh, this is the next question. Right. So. Did, oh, okay. Right. Did the Stone Roses open for Pixies? And new order in the U.S. What do you think? I'm going to say false because you said they didn't like to tour the U.S. Right, and they so uh, and Ian Brown stated that the Stone Roses have never supported anybody in their life, and they see no reason as why they should do it now. Oh wow, they never wanted to be an opening band, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Dang. Okay. Dang. Dang. True or false, Mark? Okay. Um, when John Squire left the band, um, Slash from Guns Roses offered to take his place. I am. I'm going to say false again. That is actually true. What? No way. Slash offered, but obviously Dang. he didn't get it, but Slash offered to take the place. Wow. I know. All right. I know. So, Mark, Ian Brown once told The Guardian uh, that mm-hmm. the Stone Roses' original mission was to rid the world of huge bands such as Pink Floyd. Do you think that that's true or false? I'm going to say true. And, and you're it's false. Oh, because it wasn't Pink Floyd. It was you too. I wish he would have gotten rid of you. It was you too. So Ian Brown once told the guardian that the stone roses original mission was to rid the world of huge bands like you too. <laughs> Fucking a dude. I like these guys more and more every time we talk about them. <laughs> uh, true or false. I am. The resurrection was actually inspired by Paul McCartney's bass playing uh, in the Beatles song tax man. True. Correct. You are. Yeah. Man. I know. All right. That explains why that song felt so familiar. Right. Mm -hmm. In 2011, Brown told uh, the publication uh, Mm -hmm. that he would need to be down to his last chicken dinner with regards to um, reviving the, uh, the stone roses for a reunion. When was this? 2011. false so he did say that however uh, though in 2011 they they did have a reunion so it's kind of like one yeah. of those half truths. yeah <laughs> i guess he was down to his last chicken dinner i Shit. know winner winner right. chicken dinner so is sally cinnamon the influence in the sally that's used in the oasis song don't look back at anger true or false so oh, sally man. can wait I'm going to say false. So it's another one of those where that wasn't the intent, but one day when Noel Gallagher was playing, don't look back in anger. Liam comes mm-hmm. in and says, oh, I hear Sally. So this must be from Sally cinnamon. So, you know, it's kind of one of those. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Oasis, man. All I right. know. I know. All right. Last year. Here we go. So Ian Brown had a cameo role in, mm-hmm. And um, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. True or false? False. True. What? Yes. God damn it. He had a cameo. Who was he in the Prisoner of Azkaban? Was he the rat? 
<laughs> what, you mean, what was that, scabbers, you mean? <laughs> Here, actually, you know what? I should have more. Oh, no, that, that was that was Bono's. Uh... He's a wizard in the leaky cauldron, reading oh. a brief history of time. So there you go. Sure. Can't believe I missed that. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> and lastly, because Ian Brown seems very interesting. Do you think oh. that his... Do you think that his Twitter handle follow, um, says the following? Singer, songwriter, record maker, producer, performer, solo, Stone Roses, anarchist. True. That is correct. No! <laughs> yeah. Woo! You did good, man. You did good. Four out of ten, man. That was not good. Well, I mean, it depends what you. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, I knew nothing about this band. Going That's what I'm saying. It. There's context, pal. <laughs> Context, context. <laughs> oh man. Uh well, Mark, that 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 was fun. Do you want to tell the kids out there what we have planned next week? Well, actually, Frank, I have a game for you. Oh, I can. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna play Jeopardy style. I'm gonna read you four <laughs> categories. You will pick a category based on that, and then I will give you a question. And if you can answer that question correctly, you've answered that question correctly, and I'll tell you what the album is. <laughs> If you do not, uh, you will have answered that question wrong, and I will tell you what the album is. <laughs> Are you ready to play? I'm, I'm ready. I'm All ready. Right, check out it. this record, Jeopardy. Here we go. Yep. Category one, even Vikings get the blues. Mm. Category two, albums people think we really should know by now, but we don't. Category three, babes. And category four, Living up to names that never fit until they did. <laughs> and now I want to throw this out there because I don't want to get sued by the actual Jeopardy people. There is a double double. Oh, good. Double, in double. one of those categories. So. All right. So I'm going to go with number two. Um, number two. Albums the albums that people, people thought we really should have heard by now. know by now, but we don't. Okay. Yeah. Question one. Yes. Name this new wave debut album. Brought to us by the founding members, Kurt and Roland. Mm. I do have a second question for this one, if you want. Please. The band's follow-up album had the number one hit, Shout, and another number one hit. And Shout, and then had another one hit. Oh, uh, Tears for Fears. That's correct. Yeah. yeah, that's right. We're going to do uh, Tears for Fears, 1983 debut album, The Hurting. Oh, now which that... apparently we should know. So, OK, you're funny because I was literally thinking about them the other day in the sense mm-hmm. where I'm like, I, I don't know if I honestly outside of like the hits Mad World and things like that. Do I know of uh, really, really a lot of their stuff? So this is great. Yeah, well, the good news is Mad World's on this album. Oh, good. So there will be a familiar note. And then there's a bunch of stuff you've never heard. Hey, let's do it. <laughs> Let, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Excellent. I can't wait. Cool. Yeah. Cool, man. That was fun, Mark. Thank you. I'm You're on the it. next line. Yeah, I am. Exactly. So thank, <laughs> thank you, everyone. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, remember to like, subscribe, rate, review, and stay safe out there. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much for checking out another episode of the podcast with us. Uh, say it with me, meow. <laughs> oh my my oh hell yes oh bye-bye <laughs> recording has ended <laughs> <laughs>